How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are locked on Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am not joined by Harrison Fagan. He was he was out jaunting with season ticket holders. There may or may not be a, a journalistic ethics thing going on there. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to get Harrison in trouble. He He's taking a well-deserved night out, night off. I have Dan Morang uh, instead, who, you know, somehow he and I got along when we were out there in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> He's 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 a he's a Portland guy. He's a Trailblazers guy. He's on, he's from Blazers Edge. He's he's a good guy. He you just heard him laugh at a joke right now. There's a there's a good start to the podcast right there. As always, find the show on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, Tune and Stitcher, and today's Fast Break. Use those promo codes on SeatGeek and Mac Weldon. Uh, Dan, are you are you ready? Because because you know we're gonna I'm gonna send this out. We'll send this out again from Silver Screen and Roll. And as Adam Morris found out, Laker fans can be kind of particular about what they expect from a co-host. No, no way. <laughs> Laker fans are particular about something? No, I never would have saw that coming. You know, it's kind of crazy. I've had a few people kind of point out to me like, hey, Dan, you're from Southern California. How did you not end up a Lakers guy? And it's kind of ironic because I grew up at the, you know, the peak of Showtime Lakers a couple blocks away. And somehow I ended up hating the Lakers more than any other team in the league and ended up just becoming a Clyde Drexler and a Portland Trailblazers fan and, you know, in the mid to late eighties and, you know, lo and behold, here I am, uh, you know, here talking Lakers Blazers with you and boy, well, this has been a, a fun night, right? I, I'm sorry about that life choice. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> that did not, that's as, as hey, poorly man, I'm a, I'm as Sunday night USC went. Trojan. <laughs> diehard USC Trojan. All right. As poorly so, as all Lakers Sun- fans, you can look at that as poorly as Sunday night went like, you know you made the wrong choice long term. You know, I, it's I don't like know my, if I my did, dad, man. I'm, I'm kind of a masochist. Story. My dad always tells a story where uh, I, 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 growing up, like the, there was no pro. I mean, I guess like the Rams were here for a little while when I was a kid. It's not, that's not a pro team, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't know which team I was going to root for. I'm Mexican, so like part of me, like I have to be like a Cowboys fan kind of. I thought that was like you had to be a Raiders fan. No, is, is, no. Is, is, it, is it more Cowboys than Raiders now? Because well, okay. I'm I'm uh, I'm Tejano, so like I you know it's oh, it's, okay. it's a okay. it's a Dallas Texas thing or whatever. But um, I one day I woke up and I and Randy Moss was running those go routes with Dante Culpepper and and Chris Carter was still there and it was this the 15 and one Vikings and I told Dad <laughs> and actually I was I was fairly young and and i i kind of like the vikings a little bit more 
because they wore purple and gold and it's because the Lakers came from, you know, I thought they were related. I thought like the Lakers and Vikings were like cousins or something like that because they both wore purple and gold. So I just figured oh. and, they, and they came from Minnesota, you know, the Lakers, the yeah. team, you know, I see that that's your mind's working on, on, on a whole nother level there, man. And my, and my dad, like you, didn't, you didn't even know it. I had no idea. Right. And my dad says that that was the funniest day of his, of his life was when I told him <laughs> that I was going to be a Vikings fan. Cause he knows that goes terribly for everybody involved. Uh, oh, I, I kind of, I kind Awful. of can't help but feel like there's somebody, like somewhere along the way, when you said, "I hate the Lakers, I'm gonna root for the Blazers," somebody along the way was like, "Oh no, that's not." Gonna... <laughs> you know, I don't think anybody felt bad because you know, I'm a USC fan, uh, I'm an LA Kings fan, I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan. The Dodgers are my second favorite team. My whole family's Dodgers fans, so. But like I had other championships to sustain me, and now in Portland, which is kind of funny, the Portland Timbers MLS team, you know, they have a title in the you know last well, two years ago. So like the relevancy of another Portland team winning a title, and it's been forty years literally <laughs> since Portland won their last title. Yep. Um, that that kind of just digs it a little bit more. But it's it's one of those things. I think it's it's almost like a badge of honor as a Portland fan that you come back year after year after year. And I'll, I'll, this is the last like historical antidote I'll throw out there. We were getting ready to order finals tickets. Oh no! After the Western Conference Finals, <laughs> up fourteen with four minutes to go. No, 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 no. And no. we're like, we're calling the season ticket office because <laughs> you know we're season ticket holders at the time. We want to know what it's going to cost to get finals tickets at the Moda Center. And uh, 15-year-old me is reduced to tears as Kobe lobs to Shaq and it throws it oh, down. And that yeah. was that That's was like the, the day worst that, jinx up ever. I, I didn't know any better, man. <laughs> I just didn't know any better. Like I'm like, hey, Dad, let's call. Let's find out how much tickets are, and let's let's go. So like because you know we had lived through the 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 peak of the Blazers jazz series in, in 97, 98 mm -hmm. and the, the, the Blazers Lakers series that had been so good. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, that's when, when Portland and really Portland, Utah, Sacramento, Los Angeles, those are the four best teams in, in the NBA in every one of those series. I have never been to any other playoff game that's ever had the intensity of like that, that five year period in the NBA. Yeah. Like it was, it would, the, I remember like two people across from me. You had to cup your hands and your around your mouth and scream to be able to hear each other. That's how loud it was all game long. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm I'm just amped for that feeling and then of course the most crushing sports moment in my entire life was the Lakers. Yeah. So leave it to that. Well, I, I guess I guess that's kind of where we'll pick up the conversation, right? And and we'll let the <laughs> crushing segue. sports moments. Yes. Yeah, we'll we'll segue. <laughs> yeah, Sunday night. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I, I kind of, we talked about this a little bit before, before we started going here and the way I kind of put it was the, the, the advent of tanking, like super tanking, like just unabashed hashtag process tanking. Oh yeah. Uh, his, his made for this, this, um, this this it's a phenomenon. Shift. Well, it's it, well, it's it's like this. It's like a phenomenon, honestly. How if you aren't contending for a title, then why even make the playoffs? Like that's it's mm -hmm. odd to me that that's become a thing. And um, I, I'm kind of wondering, as somebody who's kind of there in the middle now, I think part of it has to do with you know Simmons kind of laid it out as NBA purgatory, right? 
when yeah. it, the the treadmill of mediocrity, and and that's kind of where the the Blazers currently find themselves. But I don't know, as somebody who is so starved for even decent basketball, like I'm not even asking for playoff basketball. I'm I'm hoping for like decent defense. You're hoping for near 500 basketball, that that 35 to 40 win range, right? Yeah, just non Draymond in the nuts basketball and <laughs> and so so uh you know i i, I kind of wanted to ask you and this is kind of where we would get this started was how you know how are you taking in this phenomenon of championship or bust i'm here in the middle i would if, if for me you know because the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence i'm kind of looking at you as like it'd be kind of nice to to kind of go into every season and know that We'll at least be decent. We'll at least be, you know, we won't be god-awful. And the Lakers right now have been god-awful, and they're probably going to be god-awful again next year. Uh, For you, where where you're standing, how are you watching this championship or bust phenomenon? So... I can, for anybody who doesn't know, I'm, I'm a big-time analytics guy. So when it comes to the numbers, I'm more in line with a championship or bust than I am with the let's just enjoy good basketball. But I'm not so dissociated from it that I can't enjoy good basketball at the same time. Mm-hmm. Six weeks ago, I'm sitting here screaming for a Portland to shut down Damian Lillard because he looked like crap. Mm-hmm. He was clearly banged up. It's just he didn't look right. He didn't have the bounce in his step. He wasn't finishing on his jump shots. Uh, Evan Turner had just broken his hand. Um, the deal for Nurkic hadn't gone through yet. So there's a lot of things going on, and they're plummeting down the standings. They, I think at the time they were they slated for the sixth or seventh pick in the draft. And in this draft class, there's a lot of guys that I think would fit in Portland phenomenally. There's a lot of wing players, which is something Portland is outside of you know Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum is, is severely lacking. So in my mind, it was, all right, shut down Dame, limit his minutes, limit CJ's minutes, throw Crab out there, let him ball out. And then the deal for Nurkic comes in. And I'm like, that's a hell of a deal. Because I've been sitting here screaming, if you can get anything from Mason Plumlee before the free agents or for before the trade deadline, awesome. Mm-hmm. But you get Nurkic and a first round pick, now I'm screaming tank. Because mm-hmm. now you're gonna have your pick, the Memphis pick, and Cleveland's pick. If you can take your pick and then package up those last two picks and move up into the late lottery or late teens, now you're talking about maybe two potential franchise altering players on rookie deals that you can pair with your two megastars as far as salary goes in Lillard and McCollum. Because anybody who's not familiar with it, Portland has a second highest payroll in the league and they're a sub-500 team. Yeah, that's not great. No, so to wrap your head around this, you mean, particularly me, I, I sit here and just almost figuratively bash my head against the wall like, if you're paying this kind of money, you need to have the results to back it. This isn't you know what we're doing what we, we can with what we have. There were bad business decisions made in signing Alan Crabb to that money and in signing Evan Turner to that money. I like these players individually. I just don't think they fit either A, fit with this team, or B, or being paid far too much for this team and where they're at. So to kind of go back to the whole tank or, or championship, I feel like if you're not building towards a title, then you should be tanking. But I think that they're, what gets lost in all this is that there is a middle ground that's okay and not necessarily purgatory. Take the Dallas Mavericks. Mm-hmm. Before their 2011 title run, they had, I think, was it 10 or 11 plus years of 50 plus wins with like five or six seasons of 60 plus wins. 
Mm-hmm. They were knocked out of the playoffs by the Spurs, the Spurs, the Spurs, the Spurs. I mean, <laughs> you're you're running into the team that's ultimately contending for the title every year. But you're winning 55 to 65 games a year. You're in the running. Like, you don't just magically win 55 to 65 games a year. Yep. It, 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 you're, you're not butting up against it. You just got really crappy luck. Yep. Or you're the third best team. Let's take a look at Houston right now. Do you think Houston should tank it even though they probably don't have the best chance to win a title? No. Yeah, I would They're say, I would say Houston, right Houston fans, I would say, have thoroughly enjoyed this season, right? They have an MVP right? candidate, the Coach of the Year candidate, uh, a make-good story with Ryan Anderson and with Eric Gordon coming there and, and kind of turning their careers around. Uh, it, there's no re- and, and a really exciting style of basketball that they're playing, too to go with everything and and you know the first thing that people are going to say or uh, i can already hear people like hammering into their keyboards with their egg avies is oh well they're not going to win a championship so what's it is it's like you need to build towards it when did you have to build towards it when would you say because i kind of link it up to the you know the advent of tanking but i think we could also kind of go back to i remember the first time i ever heard an athlete say this and at the time i loved it because I was an idiot, but I heard Derek Jeter, like the, the Yankees had just, I think they had just lost in either in the world series or in the, uh, in the AL championship series, the ALCS. And they asked Derek Jeter at his, at his locker, what do you think of this year? How do you look at this year? And he says, I'm a Yankee. It's championship or bust. And by that definition, this year was a failure. And at the time, like I said, because I was a moron, I said, oh, my God, chills. Look at this guy. This, guy's a, this guy knows what it takes to be a champion. But if that's how you're defining <laughs> whether or not you enjoyed a season, then chances are, like overwhelming chances are, even if you have a really good team, you're not going to win a championship, right? And No, there's, there's four teams maybe every year that have that chance, like a legitimate, no-nonsense chance of, of making that happen. The other 26 teams are are competing to to build their franchise to peak at the right time. I asked uh, I for an article I wrote at the end of last year. Uh, I asked Ian Carmel, just hey, put this put this Portland season in in uh, context. And Ian, he's at Ian Carmel. He's the he's the the comedian who happens to love the, the Trailblazers. His Abby he's is a family. Portland Portland born. Yeah. A uh, stand-up comedian who uh, has also written for quite a few TV shows and very funny Blazers fan. Yeah, and so I, I just asked him, you know, I was writing an article and I said, hey, could you give me a few sentences on, on you know, putting this season in, in perspective? Because I thought at the time, and he actually wound up agreeing with me, if I were a Blazers fan, last year would have been one of the more fun seasons, I think, you know, it, it would be, is it in your top? Of all time. It's it, it's 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 literally up there outside of... Obviously, the title season, and then the Drexler title eras, and probably the late '90 eras, yeah, um, the Blazer teams. It's probably right there, mm-hmm. and as and, far as entertainment value, because nothing was expected of this team. Remember, last year's team, the over under from Vegas, of which I made an absurd amount of money on, was twenty six and a half. Yeah, twenty six and, and a half wins. That's and, that's bottom of the barrel. Well, like, and and the way I want to put it is like. Nobody while that was going I would hope nobody while that was going on was saying, "Oh man, but we missed out on getting a first round, you know, a, t- a high first round pick last year." Oh, that's a bummer, you know. Like that that year was really fun. Damian Lillard was going off. CJ McCollum took this quantum leap forward. 
Uh, Alan Crabb took a took a pretty huge step forward that you wound up paying for, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but at the same time, like last year was a lot of fun. Unfortunately, though, like you talked about earlier, it led to some poor business decisions because I think it was kind of fool's gold. But but oh, still. it was it was packaged up and sold as a bill of goods that they just couldn't deliver on. Yeah, and and but but even still, in that moment, that was a really fun season. And for me, like it's it's kind it of it was funny. a blast. People ask me all the time, like, "What's your favorite Lakers season of all time?" And it's actually for me, it's the year they actually lost to the Celtics in the finals. I think it was two thousand. Is that two thousand eight or nine? Two thousand eight, uh, when when uh, Kobe starts the year begging for a, a demanding a trade he said he'd play for pluto uh he has the the that was when it almost consummated the deal to chicago or as far as the rumors go right uh-huh and actually there's there's a there's a linkage there it's kind of funny the way you know time is a flat circle basically but he said <laughs> he wasn't going to get traded to he was the, there was a deal in place to trade him to chicago but he he didn't uh waive his no trade clause because lu Deng was coming back to the lakers and he wanted to play with lu Deng. The same kind of things going on with Paul George right now, where they're kind of saying, uh, "We we won't." His his camp is telling the Lakers, "Don't trade the kids for Paul George because he wants help when he shows up there." So it's kind of funny how that plays out. But anyway, the <laughs> for for you know for me, my favorite season of all time was because it started at, "Oh my God, we're gonna lose Kobe." There's no way this is gonna turn out well. To Hey, look, Andrew Bynum's actually pretty good. Wow, this is kind of fun. <laughs> and then, and then Paul, uh, Paul Gasol shows up on I think it was damn near Valentine's Day, right around there. And you're saying, "Holy crap, this might be a title contending team." And you know, they get all the way to the finals. But given where that season started, I, I that was my favorite season of all time, and it didn't feature a championship. And and man, at some point, we're gonna have to get rid of this championship or bust mentality. Because teams like the Blazers should be like that's a fun team that you guys have. Yeah, I mean, you look at what they're doing right now. Like I said, six weeks ago, I was screaming for them to tank. It mm-hmm. just there was just no reason to otherwise. Even now, I my, that my opinion hasn't changed. I wish they would have tanked, but that doesn't mean I'm not rooting for them to do well now. Mm-hmm. Because right now. You, you're not getting anything better as far as a draft pick. You're going to finish either 12th or you know 16th. Yep. It's it's really not that big of a difference anymore. Yeah. I mean, if you want to move up a spot, you've got three picks. You can package them up and move up a spot or two. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if it really comes down to it. And now it's like, well, let's let's enjoy the playoff chase. I mean, we've already you know shot ourselves in the foot as far as the lottery is concerned. Um, you're, you're looking at a team that's cash strapped who needs that asset, but you know YOLO, just let it go and just play well, ball and it's also it's also a matter too of like it's not like and yeah that was yolo yeah <laughs> i i caught that i was trying to move on <laughs> but it, it it's not like you know the, the blazers are playing the wrong collection of guys to win games right it's not like like when the lakers no. a, a couple of years ago when when byron was the head coach and ronnie price was winning games late or even earlier this year when lou williams was winning games for the lakers you're you're sitting there rubbing your head saying Guys, and you wanted to talk about this uh, before we went on the air too, but you, I, I was sitting there saying, guys, you have Jordan Clarkson and D'Angelo Russell. At some point, you're going to need to find out what you guys, what you have between those two playing together uh, exactly. in actual NBA minutes. What the hell is going on here with Lou Williams? No, in Portland, 
You have there's there's no other way around it. If Damian Lillard goes off and he wins a game for him for you guys, then he wins a game for you for you guys. He's one of the what ten players in the NBA who can single handedly win a game. Yeah, and on, and, a, on on a given night, and it just go him. And the thing is, the CJ McCollum is is for people that don't know is quickly becoming one of those guys. The season he's having this year, um, statistically, shooting from the field, he's one of the if not the best shooter in the league right now. I didn't from mid range, from inside the paint, from three. I think he's the only player in the league shooting 60, 50, 40. 60 percent in the paint, fifty percent from mid range, forty percent from three. So I didn't, uh, I didn't tweet this out earlier because I, I hate how people react to, to player comps on, on Twitter because I only have so many characters and I can't put it in proper context. But I actually think D'Angelo Russell has some C.J. McCollum in him. Oh boy! And here's why. I don't see it. Well, so here's here's why. Here's why I'll, I'll put it this way: He's not a point guard, and and I'm the no. guy who says that like point guard, point guard, like whatever. Who cares about who's the lead guard? With that said, he doesn't set guys up though. That's not his primary role. That's not he, he operates. He's he, he can. can, but so can CJ. But yeah. there's a there's a huge difference between Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Right. Damian Lillard, when he puts the ball on the floor and drives to the rim, he knows where guys are in the backside corner, on the weak side corner, uh, where they're at on the on popping up on a flare screen on the backside of the play. If he drives to the rim, he's not just zeroing in on either A, the dump off pass, or B, the skip pass to the corner. That's what CJ McCollum sees, and he makes some magical passes. But he's not going to know that, hey, if I get caught up in the air, I can whip around and find somebody back behind me in the short corner. I know he's there. Or I can stop on a dime, hop back around, and find the guy on the backside who's going to be wide open when I suck everybody in here. Mm -hmm. That's not what C.J. McCollum does. That's what Damian Lillard does. And it's not to say that C.J.'s not a good passer because his breadth and depth of passing, his ability to pass with either hand – Bounce passes, chest passes, over the head, in the air, uh, through traffic. Those are all there. But it's a different kind of feel and vision. And that's the same thing that I see when I see D'Angelo Russell. He doesn't have that depth of field as a lead guard. That's There's only you know seven, eight guys in the NBA who absolutely have that ability to know where everybody's at all the time. And those are the, the purest of pure point guards in this league. There's plenty of guys who can set the table, but there's other guys that can take it to another level. So, if that makes sense. So, right. And, and it's kind of funny as you were talking about CJ McCollum and D'Angelo Russell as like a comp, right? Tell me you weren't kind of talking yourself into the similarities that those guys have. Now I think McCollum, in that sense, yes, McCollum is a much better shooter. And I think McCollum is a couple years older, right? Yeah. CJ's 25. Yeah. So, so yeah, he, in the next five years, but I CJ think, came into the league though as as that's what he did. He, he's one of the best shooters to come at. The, like Damian Lillard came into the league as as the best pick and roll guard to come out of college, probably in the past twenty years. Right. And, I mean, his ability to run the pick and roll was unquestioned. That's why they draft him. Same thing with CJ. He was a stone cold shooter. Everybody knew like, hey, if there's one thing that CJ McCollum can do, it is absolutely shoot from all over the floor. Yeah, Russell's one of those guys where I look at him and it's like, he can get hot, but he's not that kind of shooter. I just the the, the reason that the comp came to mind today was I watched. Uh, it, it's kind of funny. It's impossible to describe this on an audio format, but I'm going to try because there's a lot of hands involved. Well, uh, C.J. McCollum, the way he dribbles, he, he 
He doesn't have it's any Brandon like Roy esque. Yeah, he it's not a it's not a Jamal Crawford break you down. Yeah. It's not a Chris Paul lightning quick. It's all his own rhythm. This is what made Brandon Roy incredible in Portland. Right, he gets you on his clock, and and that's he kind sets of... you up inside out hesitation rocker, and then he makes you look like a jackass. Right, and, and he puts you on skates. And that's kind of what I noticed with Russell is because because Ing or McCollum isn't any kind of spectacular athlete. Like, the, oh God, no. <laughs> and I think he's dunked. Four times in his career, four or five, and I think three of them have been this year. Yeah, and so when I watch when I watch McCollum, he does he knows how to use angles and he knows what it takes to get him the spot, you know, get himself to the spot he needs to get to. Now he is much better than Russell right now. He's five years older at finishing once he gets to that spot. But I kind of watch Russell. He had a play tonight. He missed the three, but it was a complete. You're talking a, about the one on the left wing, right? Uh, I think it was. The right. It was in the second half. Okay, I'm thinking of different. So he had a he had a three that he he shot. It was kind of this weird step back where he had the ball in his left hand, but wound up stepping back to his right. Uh, it was a, it was a completely or, unorthodox move, and I kind of when I saw that, I said, and I'm not here saying that a, a one play sample size makes up my player comps, but I watch. You know, Russell isn't any kind of spectacular athlete. Like it's actually funny to watch him. It's humorous to watch him go out there and try to run on on a fast break it's 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 like he's dragging a piano behind him yeah uh, but but i watch this guy and he knows kind of what it takes to get to his spot it's just a matter of having the confidence to get there to his spot as an attacker often enough consistent enough because right now i think he's still trying to convince himself that he can you know have the responsibilities of being an attacking guard and and a, and a passing guard uh but but at the end of the day once he he knows what it takes and he can get himself those angles despite not being a great athlete and he can make those passes like you talked about with cj mccollum it's just a matter of you know seeing the reads often enough to be you know to to be a, a lead guard and it's why i'm so interested if if lonzo ball winds up with the lakers because lonzo ball is that kind of guy who at all times knows where guys are on the court yep. and that combination it, it would be it would be kind of like a bigger uh Damian Lillard and and CJ McCollum combination right because i think Lonzo Ball is a few inches taller Lonzo's 6-4ish and pretty well built yeah and, and, and Dame and, and i mean i'm i've Russell been face to face with I think Dame like 6-4 six, 6-5 six, i think as yeah. well you know Dame's 6-1 mm-hmm. he's listed at 6-3 he's and CJ's 6 three listed at six five right I've, I've been next to both these guys plenty of times and i'm a shade under you know six one and these guys aren't that big yeah. <laughs> so yeah. um yeah but you, when you look at a guy like like ball and it pains me to say this as a, as a usc guy um ucla guy or no he's a ucla guy and you're UC, he's a UC, UC, yeah ucla guy i'm a usc guy so i hate being complimentary of any <laughs> bruin um it explains my utter hatred for kevin love even more after watching him play here in high school um <laughs> but uh watching him play his his father aside I think he's going to be a solid NBA contributor. And honestly, if there's, there's two spots to me that make the most sense for ball and one of them's the Lakers, the other one's the Sixers, mm-hmm. but it both in both instances, it hinges on his ability to knock down shots. Yep. Both, both those teams 
at that position need a consistent outside threat. I, I don't think you can have, and this is why I, I'm I'm a little bit hesitant on the guys like De'Aaron Fox. Like I really like De'Aaron Fox's game. Stupid athletic, uh, easily the best perimeter defender in this class. Um, has that passing ability, but I don't trust his jumper outside 12 feet. Mm-hmm. It, it's just not there. And you throw him on a team like the Sixers that just doesn't have any shooting. It's glue. That's awful. Yeah. But a guy like Ball, who, again, goofy shot aside, has shown that he can step out and bang that three, especially that deep three with regularity, that gives me a little bit of hope, at least for his career, um, as being that guy. Because the way the NBA has developed, if you get somebody, and let's say D'Angelo Russell does develop into that ball-dominant scorer, that, that guy who creates off the bounce, and I think everybody needs one of those guys. I mean, everyone wants to talk about the pace and space, but, you know, Kevin Durant is still a guy, even in Golden State, who pounds the living hell out of the ball. Even if the ball's being moved around, he's still a guy that pounds the ball. Uh, the ability to get points when possessions are slowed down in the playoffs, and I know it's crazy to be sitting here talking about playoffs and the Lakers in the same, you know, time period here, but See, here if the Lakers do evolve nice. to that... <laughs> <laughs> if the Lakers do evolve to that in, in, in Russell's time frame, then I think he's the kind of guy that would be the beneficiary. Like right now, I think they're playing, even though they're playing like absolute crap right now, I think that the, the way that they're playing as far as the offense that they're executing, well, at least running, they're not exactly executing it, Yeah, it wouldn't go looks better. Mm-hmm. It looks better, right? Since Clarkson has moved to the point guard and mm-hmm. Russell's moved to the two. It, it's been a little more awkward. I've never thought that Russell was a guy who was going to be a point guard. I just it never looked right. Even in his times in college, he, even though he was ball dominant, he wasn't like you said. He wasn't the guy who was setting everybody else up. So if you're looking at the Lakers and you're hoping to God they keep that top three pick, with the way your team's structured right now, I don't think there's a pick out there that makes any more sense than somebody like Ball, right? Yeah. I mean, is, is, are, are the Lakers look really legitimately? I mean, let's say the Lakers get the number one overall pick. Are they looking at Fultz? I, well, they'll, or they'll, is, is Ball the guy? Uh, I heard from somebody that he doesn't think that uh, Magic has even seen Markel Fultz. Like, he hasn't seen him play. Like, they're, they're just locked in on Lonzo. Yeah. The, the, the story there is too. It's too. I mean, he's a, he's a UCLA guy. Uh, you know, he, he, he seems to fit pretty well there. He would also kind of sort of, you know, if the Lakers sell draft, a crap ton of tickets. Yeah. Well, and, and if he was, if he, you know, when he shows up, he makes Russell, like you can include Russell in a trade, which I've also kind of heard, uh, whispered about, uh, as well. But, um, and actually this kind of brings us back to the, the, the conversation I kind of wanted to have, but you have, you have right now. Lillard is what, 26, 27? 25. He, he may have just turned 26. He's either 25 turning 26 or he just turned 26. And then you have you have McCollum, who is also 25, you said. Yeah, they're they're both hitting their hitting their prime in the next three years. Right. And and the, the reason I asked this is let's say let's say they're their peak uh because I don't know if they're I don't know if they're a championship caliber backcourt to be completely honest they they aren't good enough oh you and i remember we've talked about this in vegas i yeah. don't think that these two will ever get it together enough defensively to make yeah. this work 
that does not mean I don't love these guys. Right. I and love watching both of them play. And everybody always wants to make, you want to see one of them gone? No. Yeah. But if you're talking about winning a title, you can't have two guys that just give up that many points defensively. It just right. doesn't work. And and the reason I'm bringing this up, though, so let's say let's say their ceiling, like, would you sign up for a timeline, even if it doesn't mean title? But let's say they they make a run and they make like a you know one Western Conference Finals. Uh, they they upset a team over the next few years. Maybe they upset you know the Spurs in a year or or the 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 Rockets in, in another year, whatever it would be. Uh, they, they go on this, they have this timeline or whatever, where the, where the style of basketball is fun. They have some success and you kind of look back on it and you say, yeah, that was a fun run with those guys. Right. Would you accept that? Oh, you mean that? like every Blazers run? That's been every Blazers runs in 77. Well, I mean, literally, it's not necessarily a bad thing though. Well, but, no, I, mean, I, I, I think, at, I think this, this, Blazers core has a lower ceiling than the one, you know, like the Jailblazers had. It just so happened that the Jailblazers never got it together off of the court. Well, the thing, I think the thing is, is that what people may or may not remember is that the Trailblazers held for the longest time the uh, North American sports record for consecutive playoff appearances. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was a team that was just always there. Yeah. No matter what. I mean, whether it was a restock team or not. I mean, this was a team that, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, the Clyde Drexler, Terry Porter uh, teams that went up against the, you know, the Detroit Bad Boys and uh, Jordan's Bulls, if not for running into dynastic teams, we're talking about a Blazers team that wins titles, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And if not for running into the Lakers in the late 90s, early 2000s, you're talking about titles. I mean, let, let's be honest here whether it was Portland or Los Angeles that played Philadelphia in, in the NBA finals that year, whether they were going to win. Yeah. Whether it was Portland, it was, Los Angeles, Sacramento, Spurs, yeah, we can it, include Dallas was, in that. <laughs> I mean, the, the, whatever Western conference team came out was going to win that. Yeah. And I mean, really the, the, I know the NBA title was played between the Lakers and the Sixers, but the best series was between Portland, and Los Angeles. That was really the, the matchup of the, the, the two best teams in the league that year. Mm-hmm. And that's really been Portland's MO is that they're just just missing it every mm-hmm. single time. And like I alluded to a little bit earlier, the Odin Roy Aldridge era is the one that kills me the most because yeah, there was so sense. much promise yeah. in that group. And people want to talk about, well, you know, you never really get to see that much, so you can't really say this, that, or the other. I'm like, okay, they played 64 games together. 64 games in those games together. You know what their record was? 54 and 10. That's all right. And this, th- these weren't <laughs> the peak versions of these guys. Yeah. This wasn't peak Aldridge. This wasn't peak Odin. This wasn't peak Roy. I mean, peak Roy was, was a first ballot hall of famer for people who didn't get to watch Brandon Roy play in that time period. But for me, that was the, the, the thing that I embraced was how great and, and, and how good that team was going to be. Yeah. And I think that kind of is mentality is still in me, even though I'm a championship or bus kind of guy, because it was, again, it kind of goes back to that whole Dallas example, because you know, you're building towards something. I mean, if you want to talk about like being stuck in mediocrity, you look at a team like the Milwaukee bucks. Mm-hmm. I like what they've done, but they keep kind of doing these stupid moves that keep them in the, in the middle, which is what I think Portland did when they made the the Crab Turner signings 
it was something that was done. It's going to keep them from being competitive going forward. Yeah. If that makes sense. Would you, would you attach, would you attach either of your first rounders to uh two Turner to, to, to free up some of that cap space? You kind of have to, right? Yeah. Yeah. You kind of, if you can get somebody to bite on the, on Turner, if you if you can keep your first, you do it. It's too bad Billy um, King isn't in the league anymore because he would have. I know. Totally taken I God, I, w- I would have loved to fleece him again. Thanks for Damian <laughs> Lillard, Billy. Appreciate it, bro. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, th- that deal. And again, it's not a knock on Evan Turner. I like Evan Turner as both a person and a player. I just don't think he fits here. But you look at what that means for the franchise going forward. Like if, if you're asking me if I would sign up for you know a Western Conference Finals and building towards something, yeah. Because that would mean that they didn't make stupid business decisions. Mm-hmm. That's the thing is that I can live with falling short on, on a performance scale if you're making good business decisions along the way because you're not handicapping the franchise along the way. You know why the Spurs have been so good for so long? It's not just that they drafted Hall of Famers. It's they don't make stupid decisions along the way. When was the last time the Spurs did something stupid? I mean, it's Oof. just crickets, right? Like, it's been a really, really long time since the Spurs have done something stupid. Well, I think they now, have a time I, machine, which doesn't... I mean, that's not fair. <laughs> yeah, that's cheating, right? Yeah. But, I mean, look at... And I hate to kind of throw you guys under the bus in this sense, but look at the Lakers. That stupid Dwight Howard-Steve Nash deal. You can't give away draft picks in today's NBA. Well, You, I, you can't I, that operate one, like... That one there, I kind of <laughs> think... That one there, I think, you know, kind of comes down to hindsight, right? The one... The one... Like, I was... You were talking about the stupid business decisions. I was going to say, today's podcast is brought to you by Lou Waldang and Timothy Mozgov. Yes. <laughs> but... Stupid business decisions. Right. You throw... How many years is Mozgov ra- ra- wrapped up for? Four. Four years. Yeah. Four years. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to sit here and talk about Evan Turner signing. It's like, yeah, that was a bad deal, but uh, he plays. You know, yeah. it's like at least you're getting something out of that. What did they give I Evan mean, Turner though? Oh, was it four years, seventy? No, ninety, seventy-five. God dang it! Now I gotta have to actually yeah. look it up on my laptop here. Um, it's it's more. I've money. screened about it's, it more times. It's four years, seventy million. Okay, so it's right there in between Mozgov and Dang. Dang got seventy-two. Yeah. Mozgov got sixty-four. But the, I guess the, the 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 crux of this podcast, the main theme of this podcast, is that as bad as the basketball has been for the Lakers, like when over the weekend the Lakers beat uh, on Friday, they beat uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves in overtime, and it was because the kids, you know, Jordan Clarkson, I think scored either thirty-five or thirty-eight or something. I think it was thirty-five. He scored thirty-five on eight three-pointers. And the Lakers wind up beating the Timberwolves. And my mentions were a tire fire. And it was a whole bunch of people who were angry because the Lakers had just, how dare they? They won a game. And it was the right kids who won the game. Like they, the D'Angelo Russell, Jordan Clarkson, Julius Randle, Larry Nash, those guys outplayed uh, Carl Anthony Towns. Obviously, Zach Levine didn't play, but Andrew Wiggins was out there. Ricky Rubio was out there. And, and, the Lakers' core outplayed the the Wolves. What was left of the the Wolves' core, and they won a game. Mm-hmm. And and like for me, it was a fun game to win. I was out. I happened to be out. Uh, there was a spring a, of hope that kind of trickled out, right? Yeah, like I was out. I was out with my wife. Uh, we were watching at a bar, and there were people there who did not give a single flying f about tanking. They just they just wanted to see the Lakers win a game for the first time. They in were in the time. moment. Yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and I think gonna... the biggest thing 
Well, well almost, I guess like what, almost, what was, <laughs> well, I guess what I was gonna say though is like I'm not I'm not gonna hold it against fans. It's an entertainment industry. No. Like none of us are GMs. None of us are going to be GMs. So why not root for the wins that you can get? Killing so my long dreams, as the man. right guy. <laughs> so long it's the right. So as long as it's the right guys that are winning the game and it's an entertaining game, then fine. You know, fine. It's one of twenty. See, that's the, the biggest thing here. Yeah. Portland, if you want to talk about what's been going on here, and I can't believe it took me this long to kind of get around to it, Nurkic fever. Right. Yusuf Nurkic has come around and single-handedly made basketball fun in Portland this year. Yep. Like, this was a really crappy team to watch. Shouts to Adam like, Morris. Uh, right? <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Appreciate it, bro. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I, I don't know if I can go along deep enough into this to, to make clear to how bad – the Blazers were to Lakers fans. They were literally through the beginning of the season into December, the worst defense in NBA history. Mm -hmm. Like we're talking epic bad, just like the worst possible defense you could imagine. This was a team that through December, I would say December 23rd or 22nd, I can't remember what the date was. Anyways, basically from beginning of the season until uh, end of the, the 2016 calendar year, the Blazers gave up 100 points through three quarters, four different occasions. <laughs> they were worse than the three Lakers. Three quarters, like, I don't think 100 points. Oh, no, no. They were the worst team in the league defensively. Yeah. Like, it was by far, I mean, I think their defensive rating at one point in time was like 119. <sighs> That's insane. Yep. Like you have to go back in the annals of NBA history. It's it, it's a Washington Generals level bad of def, level of bad defense. Like nobody cared. Mm -hmm. Nobody like you can't be that bad at defense and just have it be a personnel issue. Like the 76ers that were featuring D League rosters played better defense over the last four years than than that current group of Blazers did. They just didn't care. Mm -hmm. It was and it was it was gut wrenching to watch. Like writing recaps and writing analysis and writing a feature piece and talking on the radio and talking on podcasts, like it got to be so negative. Like I, I didn't enjoy what I was doing. Like I'm sitting here on the radio and I've got people calling in like, why are you so negative and this, that, and the other. I'm like, I don't think you understand the historical significance of how bad this group is. And when you watch it night in and night out and you watch people just don't care, that's not fun. That's not entertainment. Well, now this 22-year-old, 7-foot, 300-pound monster comes in, kicking ass and taking names, and he's just having fun. Like he's dunking on people and putting them on their backside, and he's smiling about it. And people get behind that. Yep. And now that Portland's getting rolling, and, and, and I mean, I think they're 13-3 and three now in their last 16 games. And and it's and he's cost you the, the first-round pick probably single-handedly, right? Absolutely, but he's essentially at 22 years old. You you got pick. him. He's a first round pick. Yeah. So it's it's not a complete wash. Plus, you fleeced the the Nuggets of their first round pick just by getting at Mason Plumlee, who you're going to lose in the offseason anyways. Right. Thanks again to Adam Maras and the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but I, but I like, he's made basketball fun again. I mean, right. the against the 76ers, he he nearly had a quadruple double. Oh, yeah, I mean, I he was. Phenomenal. He had 30 points, 20 rebounds. I think he ended up with seven blocks, eight assists. I mean, he was just everywhere. 
he's on the you know center court for the post game interview, and and this is something they've been doing again recently. I mean, when your team's crappy, you don't even in a win, you don't pull a guy to center court and turn on the PA mic, right? It's just like all right, everybody go home. We're we're kind of crap. Well, they did that, and nobody left the building. Everybody's sitting there chanting Yusuf Nurkic's name, and you know this big Bosnian's down there grinning from ear to ear. You know, I love Rip City, you know, <laughs> with this thick accent, and everybody's just eating it up, and nobody cared anymore. Nobody cared that Portland was stuck in mediocrity for the time being. Yeah, it was just this is fun, this is entertainment, this is what it's supposed to be about, and I think that now that that's kind of merged with them kind of getting things back together. I think a lot of people are getting really excited about it again and, and it's enjoyable to watch. And for me, yeah, I enjoy watching it, but it doesn't, I think this is where I kind of diverge from it. It doesn't change that the previous 60 games were some of the worst basketball I've ever seen. Like I'm enjoying the moment, but I'm still saying you're going, you made a lot of stupid business decisions and this one good move doesn't, you know, it's not the perfume that covers up the stupidity of the past six months. Yeah. And, and so I, I it's guess, just a weird place to be. Yeah, I, I would I would agree. But again, like I, I guess because the grass is always greener, right? And it's not necessarily mm-hmm. like, I guess, do you ever look longingly at the Sixers in their situation and say, man, it'd be nice to just, you know, have another lottery pick this year while you guys are on this 13 and three run? Like you've never thought, I, I can't imagine that thought has ever gone through your head, right? A little bit it has. Oh my just God. because of where we were six, just because of where we were six weeks ago. Well, okay, but I, I guess. But, but for like me, for me personally, as you're, as this you're asset. Into, oh, go ahead. I was just say this one asset. Like, if let's say that the, the Blazers did tank, and they end up with the seventh pick, and they have a legit chance at a top three pick. I think it ends up being like seventeen percent chance at a top three pick. I mean, that's that's not bad. That's better than getting kicked in the nuts by Draymond. So you're looking at that, and you're the second-highest salary team in the league. How are you improving? You're hoping and praying to God that you can somehow move Evan Turner's deal and open up some cap space. Because remember, all this money that's on the books, guess what? C.G. McCollum's max deal kicks in next year. The yeah. position you're going to be in is exponentially worse over the next couple of years. You are, without bringing in anybody else, you're flirting with luxury tax hell. So if you want to make any changes, one of those guys, Crab or Turner, has to go, and you have to bring in low-cost guys to be able to do that. There is no more low-cost than a first-round pick as far as a talent return and dollar ratio. It is the most valuable and tangible asset in the entire NBA. I mean, you, if you get a rookie who balls out, they are worth their weight in gold. Mm-hmm. So for Portland, I look at it for the long term. Missing out on that could be what keeps this team in that actual NBA purgatory as opposed to building to something. So that's kind of flickering always in the back of my head. And whether that's you know weird or not, it's just, yeah, I'm enjoying the way that they're they're winning games and playing against opponents, that even if they are subpar. I mean, we've played the Knicks, Timberwolves, and Lakers in the last three. So, I mean, I don't know what you're exactly talking about subpar. The, <laughs> that's not exactly a murderer's row <laughs> as far as the NBA schedule is concerned. Uh, but yeah, that, that still bothers me. Yeah, that, I, that does bother me. I guess that that kind of gets back to 
the grass is always greener, right? Like you're looking at mm-hmm. the Sixers and then the Sixers might be looking at you and saying, now the Sixers might not because they've been kind of brainwashed into this process thinking. But like for me, having been having been rooting for a tanking team for the last four years, and, and no matter what the Lakers have said, they have been tanking, right? Accidental, yeah, whatever. But they've whether been, through incompetence or not, they've yeah, been tanking. You, you don't hire Byron Scott to win basketball games in 2016. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know for me you know from my side of the fence I'm looking at the 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 Blazers and I'm saying you know what it'd be nice to contend for for the playoffs like I'm looking at Denver even if I'm it saying, is an eight seed yeah yeah like it'd be nice to even if you're just you because whoever gets that eight spot is just gonna get slaughtered by the the Warriors you're, you're a sacrificial lamb yeah and, uh, here's here's the thing is and especially the the Portland fan base that last year. Because they got to the second round, there's still a lot of naivete about, oh, well, they beat the Clippers and they gave the, the Warriors all they can handle. You had a gimpy Warriors team that still beat you 4-1. Yeah. Like, all they could handle, you got you got the gentleman's sweep. <laughs> that, that's, not, that's not great. Yeah, you were in it for three quarters of every game. Great. Yeah. So the other team's 25% better than you are. Yeah. That's still a lot. Like that's uh, like I don't think a lot of people really comprehend the difference in talent and depth between this Blazers team and the elite. And I think part of that is because of the way things divorced from expectation versus reality as far as records went. Because remember, this is a Portland team that lost four or five starters two years ago. Like that team, that Portland team, Lillard, Matthews, Batum, Aldridge, Lopez. That was a team that was building towards something. And pre-Matthews injury, pre-blown Achilles, that was a team that I looked at like a better version of Houston right now. Like It was a deeper team with more veterans that had the two-way basketball, offensively and defensively, that could work in the playoffs. And that was a team that I could see making a run to the Western Conference Finals. And then, you know, you get Matthews injury, Aldridge isn't going to re-up, and you blow it up. Well, typically, you're not used to seeing a team get blown apart and then go to 44 wins and go to the playoffs and make it to the second round, right? Mm-hmm. Like, when was the last time a team off a full rebuild not only made the playoffs, made it as a top five seed and made it to the second round? So the level of expectation for this team heading into this year was sky high. I mean, Neil O'Shea, the, the president of basketball operations, set the bar basically at 50 wins. Like he said in, in the press conference, this is a 50-win team. Like they, they were selling the Kool Aid so much. I mean, this this was you know the the, the old adage: you, you don't you know take on your own supply. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was yeah. it was that bad. So um, the those whole juggling and expectations of the grass is always greener. It was because it was being sold as such here, at least. Yeah. Now, I, as, as, as I guess, I guess for I me, think it's that, it's a matter of reaching that point where enough is enough. Like enough, enough of the tanking, enough of the stuff. Let's let's actually. It has start, to mount something. Yeah, right? let's let's actually start winning a few games here and there, you know. And when the Lakers won on Friday, it was fun. And when the Lakers come out, and I don't think, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think the Blazers are twenty points better than the Lakers, you know. And I don't think Brandon Ingram is going to make up a. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily see it that way because. You know, over the sample size, I'd like to see where the where the net ratings for the two teams play out. Now, if statistically that's true, then I'm wrong. But 
uh, the watching that play, you know, watching that game go on tonight, and you could kind of see it from the get-go. Like, the only reason the Lakers didn't get blown out from the very beginning was because the Blazers couldn't throw a P and They just couldn't hit shots. Yeah. Yeah, Damian Lillard, the moment Damian Lillard started to hit shots, the game flipped, literally, like that. Yeah, it, and it was, it was while, while I was say, watching, uh, I, I, told, I told the people I was watching the game with, like, yeah, they're close technically by score, but this is not going to go well, you know. No. Um, I'll, I'll I'll wrap up on I'll wrap up on this question then. Uh, we talked about you know what scenario you would take with uh, with these Blazers or whatever, and let's say you know if you were to you, you know you said you wagered on the on the Blazers a couple of years ago at twenty six wins, heading into the next year based off of the stuff that you've seen from the Lakers, if the if the over under was set at 29 and a half you're taking over or under lakers, so lakers uh, over. huh <clears throat> over over whether or not they keep their pick? oh no they're talking about 29 and a half for the for the lakers yeah so yeah, no 29 and a half wins yeah yeah i'd take the over on that for the lakers and i guess i'll i'll just ask why i think that they're number one you're barring a, a absolute failure at tanking you're going to get a top three pick and i think that the guys in this draft are not maybe not superstar lebron type talents but i think they are definite all-stars in this draft um there are guys that i absolutely love lebonzo ball's not one of them but i still think think that he's a guy that's perfect for the lakers yeah not just off the court, but on the court and, and what he does and how he would fit in with their current personnel. Um, I think a guy like Josh Jackson is, is a guy that's going to be really, really good in the league. Um, and I could see the Lakers even shifting gears and going that way. I know there's been some talk of him moving up as a potential number one pick. So um, there's enough assets, I think, in Los Angeles that they can kind of figure it out because – there was a flicker of it to start the season. This is something we talked about off air. And when we were in Vegas, you know, watching these guys play, we were both kind of on the same train of thought that, that while this Lakers team wasn't going to compete for a playoff spot, they were still a team that when you looked at them, they weren't going to, you know, look like they did tonight. I guess that's the best way I can put it. They, they were going to be a team that, you know, 33, 34 wins, basically the, the record that, that Portland was was on pace for up until a few weeks ago, that was the area that I expected the Lakers to finish in. Because at the beginning of the season, they were giving team fits. Yeah. So the, the difference between that team and this team, and yeah, I know Lou Williams is gone, Nick Young isn't playing, blah, blah. But if guys like that are making that much of a difference, if you add a superstar talent, draft pick guys are getting older more familiar with the system uh aging a bit within the the, the scheme then yeah i think that's within range and i, I it's, it kind of kills me to say anything positive about the lakers but i think they're they're doing the right thing in the sense that they're finally playing their younger guys um that clarkson's getting minutes and that that dar's getting uh, minutes at the two um zubats is out there and that's another guy who i think has got a bright future um so I think they're finally doing the right things, which is kind of crazy that that, that 
coincided with Magic Johnson arriving, which a lot of people don't really associate with doing the right things. But I look at what he's done for the Dodgers, and things have worked out pretty well for that organization. So maybe in this kind of parallel universe, he kind of gets things in line for the Lakers. I'm down with that. <laughs> I am certainly down with that. Uh, Dan, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you very much for, for setting time aside uh, this at this hour on, on late on a sa- Sunday night. Uh, I'm going to go back and lick my wounds after the, the Portland Trailblazers did what they did to my Lakers. For uh, the 12th straight time. You know, you, you see, again, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to be nice. I'm petty. I'm I was, petty. I'm I was gonna take to, every single one of these. I was about every to, single one of. Them. I was about to wish you guys well on on trying to make the playoffs or whatever, but now I'm gonna go out and buy a Jokic jersey. <laughs> hey man, I'm telling you, if you want to talk about guys that have got a bright future in this league, that dude is is absolutely balling out. So he's, if he's, if nothing else, if for for Adam Mara is over or the Denver Stiffs, he's at least got his his hat to hang there. Uh, with Nurkic gone, he can focus all of his 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 love and devotion on, on Jokic. Yeah, and he has. Um, all right, dude. <laughs> let's catch let's catch up soon. Absolutely, man. All right, talk to In you. In and out burgers on you next time. <laughs> all right, I'll I'll take that. Uh, as always, make sure you're finding the show on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, TuneIn, Stitcher, and today's fast break. Use those promo codes on SeatGeek and Mac Weldon, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow.